You know, so often what holds us back is not our skill, not our talent, but our mindset, because our mindset determines how well we are able to develop and use our talents and how much of our potential we can achieve. Now, what if the biggest factor in your success was changing the way you think about things? Lori Mischesnik is amazing. Not only is she an eight-time qualifier for the CrossFit Games and a CrossFit medalist, she's also a mindset coach who helps people up their mental game and open their minds to their inherent potential. In this episode, she humbly shares a bit about her CrossFit accomplishments, but more about how she got there. And honestly, that really just frames the conversation about how she changed her mindset and her mental game to become a champion in midlife. We also cover comparing yourself to others and the not enough syndrome. The problem with focusing on the how of your goals, you know, how are you going to accomplish it? Aligning your rational and your subconscious minds, the power of identity, and a whole lot more. So I had a great time talking to Lori. This is a fantastic conversation, and she brings a very different perspective. A lot of times we do talk about fitness and exercise, but we don't always talk about the mental part of it, and she brings just that to this episode. But before we get started in that, I want to ask, did you listen to the last episode with Rachel Lee? Now, in that episode, Rachel, who is the author of the blog, Midlifing It, made the decision not to live someone else's version of her life. She shares the small changes that any of us can make, as well as the huge change she and her family made relocating from Oregon to La Paz, Mexico. So she talked about the power of starting with small changes, taking charge of her own health and wellness, of course, deciding to move to another country and and all of that as well as what we can learn from the blue zones and how can we apply that toward our own lives. And along those lines, she talks about creating a high quality life, not just a long life. There's, a, there's an important distinction there and refusing to settle for the status quo. Now, I really enjoyed this discussion because, well, Rachel's very real. She's very down to earth and she simply decided to live the life she wanted to live. So if you haven't listened to it yet, please go check it out. But for now, let's get started. Well, today's guest is Lori Mischesnik, and Lori is, well, I'm going to, Lori, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself here in just a second, but you are an eight-time qualifier and a CrossFit medalist, and so that sounds pretty cool. What do you, <laughs> what do you tell people about yourself? Obviously, you don't start the conversation with that. <laughs> No, no, that's cool. Thanks for having me on, Brock. I am. I'm Lori Mischisnik. You said my name very well. I'm excited to be talking with you today on Midlife Mastery. I am a CrossFit athlete. I do say I'm a CrossFit athlete. I'm also a mom. I'm also a business owner, you know, and I have lots of passions about the second half of life. And so, you know, my my goal is to continually expanding myself because if there's one person out there that I can help them you know, make some little change that enhances and enriches their life. That's really important to me. So I'm here excited to talk about all those things that I love. Nice. Well, uh, let me ask, you said you're a business owner. What's your business? Yeah. So I actually, I I took my, my CrossFit and, you know, it was because I went through this incredible transformation. Brock is really what happened. And it came into something that I said, you know what, other people I need other people to know about this. So perhaps I can save them some of the things that I went through. And, uh, you know, it had to do with me learning about being a very balanced athlete. And part of that was I didn't need to train physically any harder. I was fit enough to be where I needed to be, which was qualifying to the CrossFit Games. What I realized was that my mental fitness was not shored up. And so I took I took what I learned finally 
I, I think it was like after seven, seven, eight years um, of going to the CrossFit Games. And I, I, I kind of pulled it apart and I organized it into something, some steps that I can give people to help them understand the importance of being as mentally fit as they are physically fit. And so I, I call my business On Point Coaching. And uh, yeah, I work with athletes, although... <sighs> we're a human first. So it's very interesting in that it, it applies to all areas of our life. But yeah, I have these steps to help people understand the importance of their mental fitness. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> all right. So we will definitely talk about those steps. But before we do that, I'm, I'm curious. So eight-time qualifier CrossFit Games. So for a lot of people may not know that they may have heard of CrossFit, may have done it a little bit, but what are the CrossFit Games? Right. Yeah, that's very cool. And and I, and, you know, uh, my friends will often get upset with me because I kind of like brush it off and I don't really talk about it a lot. It was just because, you know, a lot of people don't even know what CrossFit is. And I, I understand in our, in our sports, in our community, it's a big deal. And, you know, it's, it's great. And, and I look back on it and I'm very proud of the things I've done. So the CrossFit games though, would be like, I really, it'd be like the Super Bowl of football or, you know, the finals in the NBA, right? It's the culmination of the season. You have to qualify to get there. And so it's the top people in the sport getting to come together and, I mean, work out together, but it's a competition. (laughs) There are points. And at the end of it, somebody's got the most points, right? So it's really kind of cool. And I think that one of the interesting things, and it's something I remember when I watched the CrossFit games in my very first year of starting CrossFit, and it was that their trademark or their tag is the fittest on earth. Now, who's not curious about the fittest on earth, right? Like what the heck does that mean? And who would that be? And so it was kind of cool to um, see that in my very first year of CrossFit. And then I was so like, luckily and fortunate, it's a privilege. My second year, I qualified to go and I stood under this big banner that said the fittest on earth. And it was like, I can't believe I'm actually here. (laughs) So it was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, the CrossFit games are like a big CrossFit competition once you've qualified to get there. And it's like the end of our season. And that just happened a couple of weeks ago, the last week of July into that first week of August, weekend of August. Mm -hmm. I do have to back up because you're you're right. A lot of people may not know what CrossFit is. They may drive past a CrossFit gym. They may have heard people talking about CrossFit, but connect that to fittest on earth. I mean, like, how do you yeah. just describe CrossFit to someone who's not really into CrossFit? Yeah. Yeah. How do you describe it? Great point. So when it, you know, there was, it was created by someone who believed that the fitness industry was actually not meeting the needs of human being in that the the trend was people were getting less fit, spending more money on in the fitness industry. And yet, you know, the statistics were not showing obesity rates going down and all of this. So this, this person, he was the first, he was the founder and the first owner of CrossFit. He's no longer there anymore, but he said, we got to change this. There's something better out there. And he decided to pull together from his knowledge, his background, a form of exercise that, you know, the word functional fitness buzzword came out and but that the goal was to help people stay in their homes longer be able to take care of themselves longer right if you have to pick up something heavy you can do it without getting hurt right but it was to help us in everyday life and so he brought this uh, a whole cross section of sports together 
and to, to look at all of the aspects of what a body should be able to do, what our human body should be able to do. So it's kind of cool. So it's a, it's a combination Olympic weightlifting, track and field, gymnastics. I would say those, those are our big three sports, right? That he brought together. And like, we take all these little pieces of it then, and it's called CrossFit. So it's kind of cool. And so I, I want to connect that back to CrossFit games. And because when we think about that, you know, fittest on earth, I mean, that, that's a bold tagline, but mm -hmm. I, I want to break that down for people who are, are just thinking, you know, like, oh yeah, it's a gym that some of my friends go to, or, you know, it's way people stay in shape, which, which right. obviously it is. And I am by no means a CrossFit expert at all, Right. but I always kind of think, you know, think, think about that fittest on earth. Like, are you even, and not you, but you know, the listener, me, you know, even the fittest in our state, are we even the fittest in our city? How about in our neighborhood? Like, you know, right, are we the right. fittest person in our neighborhood? And yet you qualified to go participate in these games for fittest on earth. And, you know, like that's a, that's a huge, huge thing. And so, I mean, obviously congratulations, you've been working hard and been working hard for years to do that. So, yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of put some perspective on that for those who aren't familiar with it. And I'll add to, I maybe didn't answer your question. Well, Brock, in that what, what CrossFit believes. And when I say CrossFit, it's like the, the people behind the sport who have created it, what they believe is it it tests the human body in all the different various areas that need to be tested, which is why they are so bold enough to say, we think these athletes are some of the fittest on earth. Right. And it was so like, so fascinating this year while we were at the CrossFit games, we would go compete and then we could come home and watch the Olympics. Like then we got to watch these athletes. Right. And it, it was, it was amazing because we understand, I certainly do understand this commitment to honing a craft for four years, like waiting four years to get to go and perform. We get to qualify every year to the CrossFit games. Right. But you know, the Olympics are something special. So I certainly understand the fittest on earth is a very bold term. I just, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating. I think the other thing I would say about it is that the one um, really interesting thing about CrossFit is you never learn everything. And I think that's why I love it at my age is I am continually learning something. You never get there. There is always something to learn. And that part is, I love that part. I think that is making me younger. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. And while, I mean, this episode isn't about CrossFit, so yes. dear, li dear listener, we will be talking about other things, but that is Lori's background and she is awesome at it. So we can't like miss that part of it. And there's a couple of things that come out of that. So one of the things you mentioned at your age, how, what's the age range for people who just do CrossFit, not at the games, but, you know, just at the kind of the local CrossFit gym. Sure. So, you know, at the gym, I remember working out with a woman who was, you know, 70 years old and she did the same workout I did. Her workout was just tailored to her skill level and her fitness level. Mine was the same, but it was essentially the same workout. And I remember her goal was to be able to do a push up. And like she came and she worked with us. So, you know, we have the 70 year olds. There are teenagers that do this. I know the gym I go to now has a kids program, a CrossFit kids program. Uh, so it, it's again, when I first started at Brock, it was like going back to high school gym. 
it was that that's what I that's what it reminded me of it it was just fun it was just fun so there is a whole range of ages and body types that come into CrossFit for sure yeah everybody can do it and, and I, I wanted to highlight that that piece too because yes we're we are talking fittest on earth and I didn't want everyone to just shut down and think oh well that's not for me because I'm not the fittest on earth <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 not at all. I mean, when I walked into the gym, I couldn't do a pull up and I'd never picked up a barbell. It, there were so many things I'd never done. And again, that's why it's so interesting to be able to play with all of these things that we don't often get a chance to do it. And the cool thing about CrossFit is you go to the gym for one hour. It's a one hour class. And as long as you go consistently three times a week, you get to experience all these cool things that your body can do, all these interesting new things. And, and again, that's what I, I really think is uh, moving our body in so many different ways is such a, a good thing for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, there, there's always that level of intimidation for folks that haven't been to a gym in a while or Certainly. never have been to a gym. And for anyone who knows what Olympic lifts are, that's, I mean, really intimidating to go see people, you know, pulling barbells over their head. The Olympic lifts broken down. That's great. A great point, Brock, is simply learning how to take a weight from the ground to overhead in the simplest form. That's what it is. Yeah. And they turned it into a sport. <laughs> and, and in fact, I, I should mention here, like, so I, I mentioned I'm not an expert on CrossFit. I actually haven't done CrossFit and I probably should just because I've yet to meet anyone who comes away saying, yeah, CrossFit didn't really work for me. I don't like CrossFit. Instead, what I find is people very, very enthusiastic about CrossFit. In fact, Alexander Karouf, he was one of the first guests on this show. I met him in person years ago. I had followed his work. He does a lot of work just around joy at work. You know, uh, yeah, ma yeah. making work a great place to be both individually and at the organizational level. And anyway, he happened to be at the same conference I was at. He was speaking there. We were, you know, the keynote session. Turns out he was mm -hmm. sitting right behind me. So I got up afterwards, just introduced myself to him. And rather than talking about his work, which I thought was amazing, I immediately just kind of stopped and went, yeah, you're in really great shape. Like, I know you travel all the time. How are you in this great of shape? Because I used to travel and I know how hard that is. And yeah. so we had this whole conversation about CrossFit <laughs> and, you know, in, it was just something that he loved to do and it really clicked for him. And yeah, he was in amazing shape. And, and so anyway, I, I'm going to shift gears here just a little bit and, and talk a little bit about the mental aspect. And, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because no matter what level we're at, no matter what we're doing, there is this human temptation to compare ourselves to others. Mm -hmm. And so I know if you're at the CrossFit games, it's really easy to look, I'm guessing, easy to look at other people and go, wow, they're so much better than me at this. Wow. That person's amazing. Wow. How am I even here? Like I'm not qualified. These other people are so much better. I'm not saying you said that, but I think no matter what level we're operating at, we're of course looking at people who are at our level or higher. And, and yeah. so we rarely compare ourselves to people. If we're at the expert level, we're not comparing ourselves to the beginners. We're looking at the people above us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be inspiring. And sometimes mm -hmm. that can be a huge mental block. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for you, and like I say, I don't know if you experienced this, but I know you focus on like that mental fitness part how do you keep from getting into that 
like even we're talking about the person going to the gym for the first time and looking around at people and going, oh man, they're so much better than me. I shouldn't even be here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you get past that mental barrier? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Yeah, great, <laughs> great point. And yes, when I look back, Brock, definitely, you know, I, I started CrossFit in 2010. And the first time I went to, I qualified to the games was 2011. And so, you know, you then, yeah, you're hanging around with really fit people. And, um, there is certainly a syndrome for it's like so many of us, right? It's the not enough syndrome. I'm not fit enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not short enough. I'm not, I don't something not enough, right? Fill in the blank for yourself. And yet, you know, when one of the realizations that I came to understand through, you know, my studying and that working and like, I, like I call it the, the excavating and the digging around about ourselves is, you know, I, I was created or I came to be like the chances that I came to be like this or like something like one in, I don't know how many million, right? Chances like I already won just being born, just being born and just being me. And, you know, to realize the other thing I truly believe, I I truly believe, and it was easier for me to believe this about other people than it was about myself. And I think that's, that's the thing for all of us is to treat ourselves as well as we treat other people is that there is one thing we were created for that we do better than anybody else on earth. And in fact, nobody does it the way we do it. And as well as we do it now, if you just stop and think about that for a second, nobody does this thing better than you do it, Brock right? That's like right there is something pretty special about each of us. And that really helped me to, you know, stop comparing myself to other people, which was a big thing for me as an athlete, for sure. A big thing for me as a business person, for sure, right? In that, oh my gosh, so many people are running that kind of business. Why am I even going to start it? Whoa, right? Because you're going to do something that in a way that nobody else is going to do it. And so I think that for me, it was coming to that realization of the uniqueness of each of us. And when you actually, like, when you just stop and just let that sink in, it's really quite powerful. And it is humbling, you know, in that way, in that if I don't follow my goals and my dreams and I, and I, and I let my belief of, of myself fall off. It's like there's the world is a puzzle with a piece missing and nobody can put that, nobody can fill that piece in, but me. So to me, that's very important. And um, it really helped me in so many ways in my life. But I think it, for me, it was one of the ways to stop comparing myself to other people because you, I needed to rejoice in what other people could do and how good they were at it because that's them filling their piece of the puzzle in. Right. When did you become aware of what that piece was? Yeah, I, you know, it was between 2017 and 2018. <laughs> I can tell you that was the year I was tired of the the inconsistent performance for myself. It started with me as an athlete, but as I did the work, I came to realize it was like there were just things about me as a person that I had to figure out. And it's, it's the beauty of the second half of life. It's the midlife mastery, Brock. Like this is, it's so interesting, you know, that you do this and it, it's, um, it's, it's figuring, it's figuring things out about ourselves and having now the life experiences to actually draw on 
to create this picture, to create this drawing, this painting, to sculpt this, this sculpture, however you want to put it, but to start putting the pieces together. And it was fascinating for me to start doing that work. And it completely changed me as an athlete. And I, I mean, as a person as well. Yeah. So that year. <laughs> what triggered it? Or I, I guess more than that, I'm trying. So I, I want to kind of generalize this now. So yeah. How, how would I do it? How would the listener find that? Because, you know, finding that one thing that can be a little overwhelming. And there's also perhaps I can imagine people thinking, well, geez, I made it to 50. I made it to 60, you know, however old I am. Shouldn't I have had it figured out by now? Like I feel bad about myself. Um, Yep. Yep. I love it. I love it. it. Yeah. Let me tie this together. So this is great. So first off, I, and I like, I firmly believe is that it is never too late. I don't care. It doesn't, it's never too late, right. To do whatever we're meant to do or to start something new. Now that your, your point to being, shouldn't I already have done this? Well, it's kind of like, you know, being in the forest and you can't see the trees. If we, if it was easy to do, we would all have done this. We would all be in this in this place. And I believe that's the beauty of us as human beings is that we can't, we have to do it by ourselves, but we cannot do it alone. And so that's the connection that we need as human beings. So what I, what I would say, because this is what I did. So I know what I did. So this is how I tell people to go about it as well. Talk about it. Don't keep things inside. Talk about it, express it, be honest, be open you know, especially if you're starting to wonder about these things, because you will eventually have your words and your feelings, your thoughts fall upon somebody who knows what you need to know. And it's like, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And that was in a sense, what happened to me is that somebody, I, my, I call him my mentor, a uh, really great friend right now. He listened. He was, he was one of those aware enough people. He was on a little higher level of consciousness than I was at the time. And he listened to me talk and, and he was the only one he came up to me and he said, you know, one of the, one of the first things he says is, do you believe you can win the CrossFit games? Because at that point I had, I had podium, but I hadn't had a first place. And he asked me, do you believe you can win the CrossFit games? And I like, I looked at him and I couldn't answer it right away because it was a yes. And it was a no. And he realized that. And he said, I can show you how I can show you what you need to do to win the CrossFit games. And I didn't, I didn't take him up on it right away, <laughs> but he, you know, he so I've got to, I've got to stop yeah. you right there, Lori, and ask. Yeah. So you're an athlete, you're an elite athlete. This is what you focus on. This is what you do. Someone comes up and says, I can get you to the next level. And you go, excellent. And then don't follow up. What, what was that about for you? Yeah, great question. And again, it was, it, it was, so if I describe it as the, you know, you have your, when you, when it comes to your thinking, you have your rational reasoning thinking, but there's the emotional thinking. So it's like the subconscious and the or the conscious is your rational reasoning. The subconscious is this emotional thinking. And we do not, we, unless we start the work, we, we have no idea of the strong undercurrents in the emotional thinking in our subconscious. Right. And so this was me not even being aware of all of the, the workings behind the scene until I started opening them up and unlayering them and started getting them. And so that for me, when I, like, when I was saying to him, 
I don't know. It's it. That was me, my emotional side of me saying to me, you haven't done it yet, Lori. What makes you think you'll ever do it? Right. And, and I had a, and it wasn't until he kind of continued walking me down this road a little bit that I started seeing this and I started hearing those things. I pulled off the layers and I'm going, what the heck? I don't believe that. That's not who I want to be. Right. And then it was the beginning of growing up. (laughs) It was the beginning of growing up. Well, let me ask, are you typically an analytical person? Would you describe yourself that way? No. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he tells me that all the time is get out of your head and get into your heart. You know, one one of my own paths, I tend to be very analytical too. And so I guess I can relate very much to what you're saying. One of my mentors used to be almost the opposite. And so we were an interesting pair because he would say, yes, we can do it. And then we'll go figure out how to do it. We're smart people. We can handle it. And I'm totally the opposite. Like I cannot agree to anything until I know how it works in my head. Like mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. just until I get those pieces in place, which I'm learning, by the way, listener, and I'll probably do an episode on this at some point is ridiculous. Like every great achievement was something that hadn't been done before, just by definition. Right. Right. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and getting focused on the how, how am I going to do that for me has been one of the most debilitating things and is getting beyond that is becoming one of the most freeing things. And so this is work I'm doing right now. So this really resonates Lovely. for me, which is why I've taken this detour a little bit. But. No, no. And, and I would add to that, Brock, that was a thing for me to learn. And it, you know, when I learned it, 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 it fell out in this way and that the how is not our job. The how will be given to us once we are very clear on what it is we want, and we have signed our name in unerasable ink. But we have to let the universe know very clearly and very specifically what it is we want. And because the universe always plays with us, it will always play with us and give us what we sign our name to. So that was for me to understand the how is not my job. That's not my job. It was not easy. (laughs) I'll tell you that. Well, yeah. and it's so for me, and I suspect for you, for, for analytical and maybe just for anyone, it's hard to sign up and say, this is what I'm committed to until I know how to do it. Like if I don't know what I'm committing to, if I don't know I can really do it, I'm not going to say I'm going to really do it. And which <laughs> uh, again, every great advance, every great thing has not come from people going, oh, I've got this worked out. It's come from them going, here's where I'm going and then throwing all their effort that way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm really super curious about this. How did you get beyond the how? Maybe that's a terrible question. No, <laughs> since we've got no. two hows in there, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how'd you get beyond yeah, I mean, the It's how? a little, little ironic. I, I know, but I, I am curious, what can we do to get yeah. to the point where we can move forward without worrying about the how? Sure. All, you know, all, all achievement first comes from a burning desire. And so again, for me, I had to be very clear that winning the CrossFit games was what I wanted. And so, you know, even when I do some work with people, it's always like, what keeps you up at night? What do you think about every day? Even though you let reason stomp on it, like to say, before anybody sees that, like hide that one, because people are going to think you're crazy. Right. And even for me to say, 
out loud to myself, I'm, I have won the CrossFit games in 2020, right? It was actually uh, 2018 was my first year then. So it's like, for, I, I would, so what I had to do was I had to reprogram my subconscious. And at first you don't believe it, but the thing about the subconscious is it, it doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. It, it does not live in time like we do. It simply takes an order from us and it starts to work on it. So if I was emotionally attached to winning the CrossFit Games and I continued to tell myself that and I would <laughs> pretend to be excited about it, even though my analytical mind or like my, even my emotional mind was still saying, oh, you're crazy, Lori, you go ahead and keep thinking that, but you're crazy. But as I continued through it, Brock, it was to, I have won the, and it was like in, in the past tense, like I have won the CrossFit games. It's August 4th, 2018. And I've got the gold medal. And so I, I, I stood on the podium millions of times before I actually stood on the podium with my gold medal, right? Because I, I, I had to, program my subconscious mind to believe it. And so that was simply taking out the how and being in the emotion of it. And it was true. It was, I was excited about it. I was excited about it, but it was always those undercurrents that, you know, were telling me you're not quite good enough here. You're not quite good enough there. You haven't done it yet. So I had to silence those and you silence them by continually focusing on what you want. And like I said, it took a long time for me to get it right. But I was, I practiced and I was consistent with, you know, with the help of somebody saying, this is going to work, you know, who I trusted. And so that is how I got beyond the how it was connecting to the emotional part in me and, and, and believing it, pretending, pretending it all the time until it became the truth. And, and it does it, our thoughts become things. Our thoughts become things. Yeah, I believe who was, that. Who was the first person you told that you were going to win the CrossFit's game? And what was their reaction? I don't think I told too many people that, Brock. Uh, that was my mentor and I. And I had it written down on my little card is sitting here somewhere. It's like a little card. I had it written down. And no, I didn't. I didn't put that all out there. I didn't put that out there. Not Not yet. Not, not, not yet. I'm better at doing it now. This, this year, I actually put out one of my goals. It was like a demon I was putting to rest. And again, using the same uh, method. And, and I, I, I put that one out there. I, I let that one a little more public, but not that one in, not that one in 2018. All right. So what's the, what's the one now? Can I ask? So I, I am sorry, everybody, like not to be talking about CrossFit all the time, but one of the things I'm not good at is gymnastics. And in the, in the games, it would be the event that always drove me down the leaderboard. I, it, I was not good at it. And this year I put it out there that I would win the gymnastic workout. I was going to win the gymnastics workout. And I, it's, I can show you a book where it is written out like 365 times every morning. And it's, you know, and, and I, and I, you know, I, I put that out there. My coaches weren't super happy with me <laughs> because they said, oh, Lori, do you want to win that workout? Or do you want to win the games? You don't need to win that workout, but we need to win the games. Right. And so <laughs> I said, calm down. I'm going to win the games too. So anyway, in that workout, Brock, I came in second. I was only 10 seconds behind first place. And yes, I would say yeah, I didn't reach my goal, but you know what? No, no, no. I was like, I performed fairly flawlessly in that workout. Certain things happened, but I, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier. So mm -hmm. 
Well, let's talk about the separating that piece out because I find that curious because often people who are really good at goals can get so fixated on goals that even in that situation, they'd be very disappointed with themselves because they didn't hit whatever goal it was. Mm. And then other people, you know, don't set goals at all or don't really care if they hit the goals. But there's that piece where you can, as you mentioned, be obsessed by it. It's what keeps you up. It's what you're thinking about. You're driven to do that. But at the end, being able to put it in perspective and separate it out, separate the achievement, the outcome from what you had been obsessed by. And I don't know if that question makes sense, but. Yeah, I think so. I think I would answer it like this. And I would use a quote that I truly believe in from Earl Nightingale about uh, success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal. So progressive realization, meaning you're continually working towards it and it's a worthy goal. So again, it's worthy of us. It's worthy of us. And it it is something that matters to us. And you know, one of the things, Brock, I like that I fought with in my years of CrossFit is, is this really worth it? Like, what am I doing? The training that I do, I do my kids think I'm crazy. Like I'm a really non-conventional mom with what I do. And um, like, should I be doing this? Right. You know, and, and I had to come to some terms with that. And, you know, I, I did, I, that was part of the work, but I came to understand our gifts, we don't choose our gifts, our gifts choose us, right? They're they're something we're gifted. And this was a gift that I had to be an athlete. I, I was, I was put into the arena of competition. I was, that's where I was put to bring something to the world. And so I, I think that fact that I, that I continually hone my skills and I work towards something that, that in that, with that gift, is expanding it and continually making it bigger and brighter, right? Because I truly believe our potential is limitless. We we create the limits on ourselves, but we really are limitless beings when we understand that. And, you know, so for me, that, that goal setting is, yes, there's a goal that I'm looking towards, but again, I didn't, I didn't win that wad, but I performed so well. I, I, you know, and I'm so excited now. It's like I step on the podium and it's like, great. Thank you. I love this. And I'm ready to get home and get back training. Right. Cause I'm, I'm on to the next thing, right. It's, it's, it's on to the next thing. So I think that that progressive realization of something that is worthy of you, we're continually, we're, we're, we are goal seeking beings. That's, that's what we do. We're, we're like a bicycle. If we're not moving forward, we're falling down, right. Or spiraling backwards. So that's kind of how I see goals is, is it's, it's within us as uh, you know, simply creating the best version of ourselves, which is until we die, we're always creating. I love the bicycle analogy because uh, yeah, as long as you're moving forward, it's great, but you know, they don't stand up by themselves. So (laughs) as soon as you stop, they fall over. Uh, You can coast for a little bit, but there is going to be a point where you're laying on the ground unless you put more thrust into it. And so anyway, great, great analogy for life. I see that in my own life, the periods where I've coasted, I've slowed down, I've sped up and, and with bicycles, uh, there is a point where the faster you go, the more stable they become. So the, the, you know, the, the more we're pushing forward, it, it can bring kind of that clarity and stability. 
you know, I heard years ago, if you want something done, give it to a busy person because they've got their life organized. They have to. Anyway, yes. Yes. well, I want to ask you about, you had mentioned, I, I think, a four-step process that you, you work with people on. And, and so what can you tell us about that? When I, when I work with people, one of the things, there, there are a few things that need to be in place for us to understand about ourselves. And I do some work around purpose visions and goal setting and understanding that our identity is so important to understand and be really clear on our identity. And I do some digging around with people around core values and, and what I call, what what I call paradigms or what are like the habits that are the undercurrents that we're not aware of. And I, and, and that's like the thing that I, I will often say, the most dangerous things for us are the things we're unaware of. So we need to gain some awareness, right? And, and as we do that, we kind of build, we kind of, it's like you, you dig the foundation, you start, you start building and you never know what's coming up when you see the hole dug, when uh, construction is being started. But as the, as the frame comes up, you see what it is. Oh, it's a hotel. Oh, it's a house. Right. And you know, that happens with us. We gain our identity as we start learning some of these things about us. And like I say, core values, we look at what are some of the habits that we're not even aware of that are running. And we do that in like a kind of fun way. I do it working with us as a person, but then because usually I'm working with athletes, then they also do those those that work or some of that those exercises as an athlete as well, which is kind of interesting to see how the two come together as as a me as a human and me as an athlete, right? And then I do some very specific things with athletes, like we talk about the warm up, the execution, and the debrief, and the connection of all those things. We talk about like the very um, interesting parts about uh, warm up styles and what how they how they need to be prepared and do that. So yeah, some, some specific athlete things, but the, I really like the, the, the first four parts of the session that I do are all around uh, the foundation. And I tell people, it's like, when you're at the start line of life, you want to be on a firm foundation versus being in quicksand because the person on a firm foundation is going to take off a lot faster than being on quicksand. And that is just knowing who you are, why you're there, why you show up every day and, and really what, what you're here for. And yeah, those are big questions. And yet it's, it's because it's, it's in us and we're so unique. Each of us is so unique, Brock. Once people start doing the work, it comes out so quickly. It comes out so quickly and so easily. Mm -hmm. One of the things about midlife, you, I mean, you mentioned knowing who you are and this is just an observation, but I think it's easy for us to get to this point and realize we don't know who we are. You know, like we've been going along through life and then our kids leave the house. If we have kids, we, we may have a career change about this time. And when we're younger, we have these trigger points. Like we decide to go to university or trade school or just get a job or whatever it is. You know, we, we decide to get married. We decide to buy a house. We've got all these things through our 20s that really trigger thoughts around who am I? What do I stand for? What do I value? What do I do? We have to make those decisions. Midlife, we can kind of get to this point and not have to have thought about that for a while. And then something happens that where we have to think about that. And I, I think I think it can be a startling realization that we don't really know who we are or that we get to choose something else if we want to. True. It, it, you know, so when we talk about identity, 
So someone who's just listening to this thinking, wow, Brock, what are you and Lori on about here? How do I even start thinking about identity? I thought I knew who I was, but now you're telling me I don't. What's a great way to get started? What's the piece around, you know, just, just for the person listening saying, yes, I want to see changes in my life. I'm not going to become an elite athlete, but I want to do something yeah. different. And I like this yeah. mental game part, this mental yeah. fitness part. Where do they start? How, do, how can they dig into that? Great, great, great. And I'll, it's, it's such a great question. It's such a great question. And, you know, the piece about identity. So like you can take, like, start with, we are like, we're, we have, again, I go like to the rational and the subconscious and we've got the rational mind speaks in words, the subconscious speaks in emotions. And when the two are brought together, that's when we're at peace and we're at harmony with ourselves. And so the, the the place to start with often is with words. And so, you know, if you take and describe yourself, like write down as many words about what I do, what do I do? And like, write all of them down. And it's, you know, and it's like, who do I serve? And like, write all these people down in, you know, that I serve, write down adjectives, right? And start getting some words out there. And again, it's, it's around like core values. Like when you look and if you go out and Google a core value list, you'll come up with a million sites and, uh, you know, 500 core values. And it's just interesting to read through a list of words like that and go, and you start circling them. Oh, that's me. Oh my gosh, this is, this is me, right? I've got roots right there. And, and I, so I would, I always have people start with words and then I, they take those words and they put them into a sentence that when they read it, it is a truth. And like, when I say a truth, it means it doesn't matter what time of life we're in now or where we're living or who we're with, that statement is true about me, right? And it's a very interesting exercise to do that. And, you know, start with, I am, and you put all the words behind the I am as you can, right? And that that's one of the things that I do is I start, I start people off with words like that, and then they pull them together into actually sentences about themselves, right? Statements about themselves. So it's, it's one way to start that whole identity piece. Yeah. And so that's figuring out kind of the, the who I am. Yeah. What about for those of us who want to evolve our identity, who want to change it becomes something different. And and by the way, I am fascinated by identity because at, at one point in my life, I used it to learn to lun- love running. Ah. A- and so yeah. I, I was yeah. not a runner. I needed to, I, I was a cyclist, but when my daughter was born, you know, you can go ride a bike for two hours or go for a half hour run. And I didn't have time for the two hour bike ride. And, and yeah. so I had motivation and, and so basically I just started asking myself, what would a runner do? And, and I just started doing things that, that a runner would do. I started reading running magazines. I mm-hmm. laying in bed, you know, in, in the morning. And this was, you know, January in Indiana, like, Hey, I don't want to get up. <laughs> like I like my bed right now. The, yeah. the, the, you know, the, the old Brock loves it right here. The, the Brock who's a runner what's a runner do it runner run. So I'd just get up and go yeah. run and, and build the momentum and, you know, action reinforced identity, identity reinforced action. Yeah. Um, so I had a question, Lori, a while ago, and then I started talking, I don't remember what my question was. I think it was, how do we evolve identity? 
Yeah. Yeah. And I love your, I love your piece about you decided you wanted to be a runner and what, who was a runner? What do runners do? And, you know, that's a very good piece. I, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, around, you know, today you still identify yourself as a runner. I do, even when I'm not running. So, you know, that, Yes, that that piece is there. So I would like I would have to say though, Brock, like that was something in your DNA that was always there. You may have not acknowledged it, you know, at a time in your life. And then I then I like it's like the summoning of the soul. It will call you, it will call you to action at some point, right? And so then it was time for you to listen and acknowledge that piece of you. And and you know, so I I think it's, you know, some solitary work with us, with each of us on our own. And it's, it's going back and thinking about, are there dreams that we've given up on? Were there things in our life that we, we thought about at one point, but we set it aside and like, we just set it so far aside, you know, it's like there, but it would take some time to bring it back and remember it. And that, you know, our, uh, I think, I think our identity is in us. It's in us. We need to, we, we definitely in that first half of life as we're, we grow up and right. I mean, it's, it's living our parents world because as children, we need to be kept safe, you know, and then as a teenager, we go through that. And as a young adult, right. And university, and then we go get a job and then it's earn a living. And then, oh my gosh, we need to have a house on the house market and then kids, all of those things just tick along and happen. And so many of us don't spend time, I would say 97% of us don't spend time actually being ourselves. right? We're being what is needed, what is called forth in, in our life and the situations that we find ourselves, you know, but at any point, anybody can, you know, sit down and truly say, and I, and I think, you know, those are the people that, you know, do some, do some great things in the world that really leave a mark, right? When they uh, sit down and acknowledge, they don't put it on the shelf. They actually go out and uh, I, again, I always like acknowledge, accept it and start to hone it. And so to sit down and like to think, what, is there anything that you, that you gave up on? Or I always think about that piece. It's like a, it's a bit of a neon flashing light, but reason and life just need to be put on top of it. I don't know. I like say, don't, don't, don't leave it out. It's knocking to get out, bring it out. And again, I, I use, it's like the summoning you, your soul is going to summon you. It will not be silent. So eventually it's going to call you to do it. So I don't know why we wait, <laughs> go do it. And yeah. So a bit of listening, it's like some meditation and, you know, and, and again, journaling, I would tell people to sit and journal, but this is not easy work. This is, this is real thinking about us as a person, right. And, and it's, it's worthy work, but it's sometimes not easy. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned the summoning and I really like that phrasing, because I, I look around, the people that I get most inspired by, most excited about are at this point in midlife. And I see a lot of them. Now, some of them kind of figured out their life early on and, and they're doing great, but yeah. there's a large number of people that I see. I, I like summoning. I almost see like waking up, like just looking around and realizing like, I am not living the life I meant to live. Like I am not living who I, I spent my whole life being this other person and that's not really who I am. Mm-hmm. And 
I, mm-hmm. I guess it just takes a few years of life to, to have that awareness or, you know, what, whatever triggers it. But those mm-hmm. are the people I see just living full out and trying to really create amazing lives. And, and you know, that's, the, that's the listeners, that's me, that's you, that's, you know, all, all, all the people around is just how do we keep leveling up? So I'm always curious about books. You had mentioned Earl Nightingale, uh, probably straight out of The Strangest Secret would be my guess. And I, I think I heard some Napoleon Hill in there as well. Yeah, Napoleon Hill. Yeah. So I, I love the classics and there there isn't a lot new that's come out since then. You know, since about 1937, 1940, it's just been packaged differently that, you know, anyway, I could take us down a big old rabbit hole there, but I'm curious. So what other books would you recommend to people who are like, yeah, I love this conversation. I either haven't heard these ideas before I've heard them and I haven't known how to apply them. So I haven't done anything. Where can people look? What's a great resource? Yeah. You know what? That's interesting because it's, you know, it's such a big, it is such a big market right now, Brock, for sure. And I guess the one thing I would say though, is that we can read and read and read and read and read and, and we still don't make any changes. Mm -hmm. And so that's like, that's, I use the word study. It's like, take something and learn from it and apply it, right? So take your time with something. And, and I, what I actually do is every morning at 6.30, I have my mastermind person that I read with, and we read our books out loud to each other. I read, if there's something that comes up, we have to discuss it. We talk about it. We say pass. And then my, my, she reads and we read a book like this and it has, we have both talked about how different it is to read a book out loud versus reading it silently to ourselves. So I first, I recommend that with people is to read with somebody like get up and we do it over the phone. Like sometimes we zoom, sometimes we FaceTime, sometimes we just read audio together because we can't see each other with wherever we are. And, but it's, but it's reading with each other. And so that's the one thing I will recommend. And then I, and I say like, go and pick any book of interest to you. So what I would say, if you've got a topic, so my my most recent topic was about growing up in the second half of life because I, I had an experience around this and I, and I went out and I looked like, growing up in the second half of life. And of course there's books that are, have, have that name and then you'll see this. And then all I need some time is to find somebody else that I read, I read a book from and they recommend that book. So I, I, I do, I dig around a little bit and I, I will look what, what people that I've read already have recommended. And if it's, if it's something then in that genre or that topic that I'm looking up, then I'm going to take that and read that book, you know, so pick, pick what you're interested in learning, wanting to learn about and use a topic to go out and look. And then it, it, there are, there are so many good books. It's just to start, but I will always say, read a chapter and take notes, read a chapter and write down what you learned three, four points out of that book. If you write them down, they're going to mean something more to you. So I think that's really important versus just being, you know, a reading machine but not applying any of it to our life. So I found that really important. One of the really interesting books out there, Brock, two people have told me about this and I'm not going to remember the name of it, but the one the one book is Power Versus Force by Dr. David Hawkins. Like his work most people don't don't touch on but it's amazing. It's like, it just simply because if you haven't done personal development yet, you might find that like la la land stuff, but it really is some cool, really some very, very good stuff by Dr. David Hawkins. He's 
you know, maybe somebody that's people haven't read right now. I'm doing a lot of Peter Sage. Peter Sage was a Tony Robbins prodigy. And so it's interesting. Again, it's everything repackaged, but you know, I, I like Peter Sage and his, his whole thing is there is nothing in the world, but love. We all need to grow up and learn how to love. And I, I subscribe to that. And so you know, I'm going through some of his stuff now. But again, then Peter Sage recommends all these books. So then I have all these books to choose from, you know, that he's recommended. So nice, nice. I, I, lo- I love the approach of really studying and not just kind of blowing through and onto the next book. Yeah. Um, as I am very guilty of blowing through and onto the next <laughs> book, like this is amazing. I got to read something else by this person. And <laughs> yes, yes. I, I'm off and running. So, uh, you know, as we kind of wrap up here today, I mean, we, we've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything that we haven't covered that is worth bringing up? <sighs> you know, I would. Um, I don't. I don't. Not sure, Brock. I would. I would go back to the part of you know it just is never too late. And I think this, I believe this half of my life, what I will accomplish will just make the first half of my life, you know, look like I didn't do very much. So I really believe, you know, that this time of our life is, is an interesting piece. And so, you know, embrace it and uh, yeah, love, love where you are, love where you are. And age is just a number. Age is just a number. <laughs> well, fantastic. That is a good spot to wrap up there, Lori. It has been amazing. We could go on a lot longer, and uh, but it, it probably, probably a good spot to, to pause here. So thank you so much for being on today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. We now have listeners in 39 countries and continue to grow, but this growth is primarily from word of mouth. So please keep sharing episodes you love with your friends, with your family. Now, you used to have to have a podcast app to listen, but these days people can just ask Alexa or Siri to play Midlife Mastery. The audio is also available on YouTube, Spotify, and of course, the podcast apps. So there are plenty of convenient ways to listen and to share. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would ask you to please leave a quick review at lovethepodcast.com forward slash Midlife Mastery. That's just lovethepodcast.com forward slash Midlife Mastery. And this lets me know what you really enjoy about the show so I can keep improving it and making it even more relevant and more helpful to you. And it helps others learn about the show so more people can create their own phenomenal midlife. So are you ready to play bigger? I am too. Let's get started.